Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu with you here today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. And I'm really excited to have with me today as my guest, right from Australia all the way around the world, Melissa Hyman. She is the co-founder and director of the Center for Healing, and she specializes in helping practitioners, therapists, healers, and coaches learn life-changing, transformative methods while creating a thriving business for themselves. She is the creator of Root Cause Therapy, a powerful method that addresses the underlying causes of addiction and mental health issues. Melissa's passion for mental health and alternative healing stems from her own lived experience and extensive self-study. She believes that everybody has the potential to reach their full potential, achieve their goals, and create positive change in in their lives and the world. Right up my alley. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, yes. I love to always start every show off with finding out a little bit about our guests. So I would love to hear more about your story and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today. Yeah, sure. So I could take it kind of right back to my parents' divorce when I was two and a half, and they were immigrant immigrants basically that came to Australia. So they had their own general generational trauma that they carried with them. Uh, my dad having lived through World War II and then my mom having grown up in a boarding school was basically just dropped off when she was four. Um, and so, yeah, when they, when they divorce and they split, that obviously split my world and they both chose partners that I would say you might label them as narcissists or, um, they had addictions and things like that as well. And so I grew up in kind of two homes where I didn't feel safe in either home. And then I didn't get emotional support either. And then I went to school and I was bullied and I was a loner. So there's a little snapshot of my childhood. And so I was a sweet girl, but I didn't know how to process my emotions. I didn't understand any of that. And I was also quite disassociated because of the stress. So I'd be one of those little girls that would just be spacing out. I couldn't concentrate at school. Um, I found it very difficult to learn and um, and and even trust or connect with people. And so that turned into, in my teens, I turned to drugs and alcohol and kind of connecting with people, that, I guess, that had similar backgrounds to mine. And, um, yeah, so I got in a lot of trouble there and um, didn't look after myself and, yeah, there was a, a lot going on. There was domestic violence happening at home. I had to help my mum leave that situation and, um, but from my, my, my dad, he, he was quite, um, he tried to be emotionally supportive, but I just had a lack of trust. So he would ask me what was going on and I couldn't share. And um, he was someone that was very um, driven and he was in business and things like that. So he put a lot of pressure on me to do well. 
which kind of turned out well, I guess, in the end. But I had lived this life where internally I was not happy and I didn't feel good at all and I could only feel good if I was drinking or using drugs. Um, and on the outside it looked like I was doing well, but I kept sabotaging my money, my relationships over and over again. So when I got to like 26, ended another toxic relationship, lost my house again, I was like that meme, I was like, maybe it's me. <laughs> um, and then I went and got therapy for the first time and I walked out at, of that session and my eyes were just open to um, not only that it wasn't my fault that I had been creating this in my reality, but also that I could heal it and I became conscious of my subconscious and it was the most incredible awakening moment for me and that's where all of a sudden I was smart and I, and I got into books and I um, started my personal development journey and then not long after that I did my first certificate. So that would be about 10 years, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 years ago now actually. <laughs> yeah, wow. And so what kind, when you first started working um, on, it sounds like a lot of trauma, right? And addiction issues obviously as well. Um, what kinds of modalities did you, were you drawn to or did you find were particularly helpful on your journey? Yeah, so the first ones that I was introduced to, so in that first session that I had, um, was NLP actually, NLP, hypnotherapy, timeline therapy. And yeah, when he offered the opportunity to do the certificate, I was like, yes, because at the time I knew I wanted to have my own business or I did know I, I started business when I finished school. Like I, I did know I wanted to be in business. I didn't know what. And I signed up for that course and halfway through that NLP course, it was like a lightning bolt that hit me. And I was like, I am meant to do this. I'm meant to help other people get out of their own way. I just remember it so vividly, just hit me like that. And so I finished the course. Um, I didn't have a family at the time. I had a little bit of money because I had just sold my house and I was like, I'm just going to try, I'm just going to do this. Like, so I resigned from my job two weeks later. And um, wow. as you do when you're, you know, 26, you do these things. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I just started my business and I just did a few posts and I and I got clients and um, there was a lot of ups and downs and a lot that I had to learn. But what I, NLP is amazing, but the journey took me through a whole other direction when I started going into trauma healing and into somatic work and inner child work. Um which I was unexpectedly introduced to by a business coach because he's like the reason why you're not the why you're sabotaging and not doing what you need to do to reach as many people as you can is because of your trauma and you're just trying to protect yourself and I was like wow so that opened up another whole world <laughs> and then I lived with um, two other healers for a year as well we all taught each other about the super conscious subconscious conscious mind we all came out the other side with our own modalities and um, that's kind of actually I, I, I was still trying to stop smoking. I was still trying to stop smoking weed and drinking and um, I was watching a, um, a lecture and I just had this massive light bulb moment of, oh, my gosh, that's how you heal addiction. And two days later I reconnected with an old friend and he's like, I need to come see you. 
and he walked into my office and he was about 15 kilos lighter. His clothes are all ripped and dirty. He's like, I've been addicted to methamphetamines and ice. Um, I've been using it daily. And I was like, in, internally, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but obviously, I'm a therapist internally. I was like, okay. But I also reminded myself, okay, everything that you've learned for the last few years plus adding this addiction part in, you probably can help him. And so after that first session, and this are not typical results, but after that first session, he's actually never used since and um, wow. completely changed his life. And we ended up opening up a mental health and addiction outpatient centre together in Melbourne, which we ran for nearly five years. And we had a team of therapists that worked with us. And, um, yeah, it was really successful and the success rate was really high because we focused on the trauma healing rather than just abstinence, telling people to stop. Because of our lived experience, we knew how to help them and we would welcome them in with open arms and be like, you don't have to try to stop. We're going to heal the reasons why you're using and you will naturally stop. And that's generally what happened. Well, and it's so spot on, you know, as someone who also works with addiction and trauma, I mean, it's become so clear to me in over 20 years now of work, doing this work, close to 25, um, I, I, I don't know how people, you know, up 90% or more of people with addictions have co-occurring trauma uh, and other kinds of mental health, depression, anxiety, you know, different things. Um, it's been my experience. And if we're not addressing that trauma, like traditional addiction treatment programs really aren't. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting there. It's starting to change here, at least in the States. But, um, you know, the old rule of thumb was, oh, you don't even touch the trauma until they have six months to a year sober. But the clients we were seeing always and still do, you know, they can't get six months to a year sober because of the trauma. Exactly. Yeah. It's like telling someone to walk around with a broken hip without painkillers. It's like... Why do you want them just to walk around suffering? Let's let's do this. Let's do it now. Like it's it's fine to do it now. They actually are self-medicating and finding a solution that has harm and let we just need to help them find a a long-term solution which is the healing part. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 that addiction is a symptom, right? Addiction yeah. is a symptom of something else that's going on. It was uh as my good friend and colleague that I often talk about on the show, TJ Woodward, who wrote this, you know, wonderful book called Conscious Recovery. You know, he talks about addiction as a brilliant strategy. Like at some point in time, yeah. it served a function. And for many people, it helped them to numb the pain of trauma or help them survive something like, you know, domestic violence or some other kind of, you know, difficult experience of some sort. So, um, addiction is not is not really the underlying issue. It's like what is causing someone to do that addictive behavior, right? That's right. And yeah, even when I I remember when I would smoke marijuana, I remember feeling like and explaining it like without the awareness of all these therapies, is it felt like a holiday from my mind. And um, that's kind of like the way that we address it. It's like how does it feel right now to be in your body in the present moment? Because our bodies, our nervous system, our biology will wire itself to it, like, is it safe in the present moment or not? And if growing up, if there's a lot of stress and trauma, then it's wired for it's not safe to be in the present moment. And we, we don't feel comfortable in our body because we don't know how to process our emotions. We don't 
we don't want to feel negative emotions. We all want to feel good. So we do things to try and make ourselves feel better. So it's funny because like obviously there's certain drugs that cause more harms, but at the end of the day, we a lot of us have addictions because we're all trying to feel good, whether it's shopping, whether it's binge watching TV, like that we all have different ways that we just need to escape a little bit. And, and, um, but yeah, like I said, the other ones can cause more harm. And like you said, it's just addressing like the, the reasons why the under the underlying, and that's with mental health as well, because obviously there's pharmaceutical medications, which were made to be actually short term, but then because a lot of mainstream um, practitioners, they don't know how to help people um long term they're like you you can't stop taking these medications but people don't want to take them like they the 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 negative effects that they get from it or just feeling numb all the time that that's not that they know it it doesn't feel right so short term it's great if you're starting to do healing work and you need a bit of stability you know clear the lens a bit to start doing the work but they were not made for a long-term solution right Right. Well, and I mean, if that's a whole nother conversation, yeah. I mean, the, the, how much of that it is even placebo effect because they don't, they can't explain exactly how it works. I mean, that's the thing. The science is always changing. Well, we thought it was this receptor in the brain, but now we're finding it's this other receptor in the brain. So yeah, it's, it's not the solution. It's, it may be part of, like you said, getting someone started on a journey of healing and it might help them function, you know, a little bit better in a time when they're not functioning yeah. very well. But uh, that's not the only that's not the only piece of the puzzle. I want to go back to um, Melissa something you you mentioned earlier on in your own journey that um, has also now inspired your work, which is NLP. And for our audience who doesn't know exactly what NLP is, could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it's neuro-linguistic programming is the term and it's a very 80s computer term. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, but it's, it's basically, it's how we uh, perceive the world, how we, like our linguistics, how we, how we speak, how we take in information. And so some of the main teachings of it are um, internally we have a map of the world and so our conscious mind is taking in information through all of our senses and it's getting filtered through our unconscious and through our subconscious and we make meaning out of things and we have um, we have certain patterns and behaviors that's the programming that we have and that programming can come from our younger years um, so using language and um, using like repatterning of the, the programming that's the basis of NLP so we can model off people that are doing what we want to do um, we can change certain behaviors to go in the way that we want to go um, it's kind of like our conscious mind is only the top of the iceberg it's that 10 percent of our willpower so if we consciously say i don't want to eat you know chocolate anymore but if our unconscious mind and our subconscious if that actually really helps us and there's more benefits and drawbacks if there's um if it's making us feel better if it's soothing us in a way that we don't know how to do it ourselves we'll just keep thinking about it and we'll probably go and binge on chocolate because our our subconscious and our unconscious is so much more powerful than our conscious mind. Um, so, yes. yeah, I mean, but I've had to unlearn a lot of NLP 
And I can explain mm. why when I get into how I create a root cause therapy as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious to hear about that because I was wondering if if it came from NLP. And there's also um, uh, overlap or NLP kind of emerged from hypnotherapy, didn't it? Yeah. So NLP was basically whatever um, transformational methods were available at the time. So including hypnotherapy, um, including like kind of coaching work um just the the best of the best at the time they've kind of taken it and that's they created that modality so what what i did was i actually well in this current age <laughs> and including trauma i looked at okay because when i just did nlp for 6 months i was actually more disconnected from my body and my emotions and it teaches you just to be positive and we don't need negative emotions. And I don't agree with that. I believe that we need all of the emotions. They're there for a reason. And it's very important that we um, start to learn how to feel in our bodies. So, so, so many of us are just reliant on our mind and our thoughts that we're not actually tapped into what's going on here. Because, again, it's uncomfortable and we don't want to feel uncomfortable. And so... What I realized was that when we are coaching someone, when we are reframing, so as in you say something that is triggering you at the moment and your practitioner or your counselor is like, yeah, but why don't you look at it like this? Sometimes it's helpful, but sometimes it's not because sometimes that trigger that they're having, if you were to go down into that, you would actually heal something that is significantly impacting their lives and um, you've just pushed that opportunity away. So what we do with root cause therapy is we actually go, okay, let's look at like where the emotions are coming from. And I heard you talk about this in a, another couple of podcasts of root cause. Obviously I've called it root cause therapy. Uh, let's look at, not, mm -hmm. let's not only look at the root cause and maybe become aware of the original trauma or where this all started, whether it was generational, whether it was when you were in the womb or whether it was, you know, ages zero to seven or a teenager, Let's look at the root cause, but not just look at it, not just be exposed to it and then left to our own devices to heal it. In root cause therapy, we're helping people to actually release the strong emotions that are causing that trauma to still be trapped in the body and playing out. And so this goes into more somatic work because what happens is just say we're in uh, and 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 you probably like your listeners know there's different types of trauma there's not just like you saw a car accident or sexual trauma there's stressful situations that to that child or to that person was traumatic so just say you know you're at home and you can't wait for dad to get home and he gets home and he's all grumpy and you wanted to play with him and he just shuts you down and it, if your emotions are strong enough depending on your genetic dispositions and things like that you might have a very strong emotion and feel very hurt and in that moment with that strong emotion you made a strong decision about yourself and the world that maybe you're not worthy of being loved right and so with that very strong emotion trapped in there of you're not being loved and maybe not knowing how to process that not having a an adult adult to co-regulate with like a safe adult to go to help you to go, oh, sweetie, you're okay. How are you feeling? And help you process that. Maybe we just pushed it down. Maybe our parents are like, shut up, don't cry. Who knows on the past generations. Um, and so when that's trapped, that energetically traps that trauma or that stressful event and that belief in the body. And so now that belief is there, right, with this person. So 
they get triggered every time someone does something similar. What unfortunately can happen is we try and reenact the trauma unconsciously. So we'll get into similar relationships, and this is what I did, to the trauma that we had in childhood and it keeps playing out and this trauma keeps stacking, the emotions keep stacking and we get a lot of evidence back that like, see, I'm not worthy of love or we'll um, sabotage our relationships to give that evidence. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So with that in mind, with the emotions trapping it um, in the body, we go back to the original, the root cause event and say when the dad got home and you would go back and connect with that inner child and actually you would finish processing the emotions because emotions should only be feedback, like a 90-second wave to give us feedback, like, oh, I should do that, I'll feel guilty, I shouldn't do that, I'll feel ashamed, or that's a little bit scary, I'm not going to run in front of the cars, like we need all the emotions. But what happens is that if they're stuck in our body over time, we don't trust our emotions. We get people call us emotional. We can have outbursts or we can completely shut down. And so in that moment, we're just helping the client to finish processing that emotion. And then it's like, you know, Adriana, when you're emotional, you don't always make a good decision, <laughs> especially say anger or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing in that moment. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. What we're doing in that moment is we're finishing releasing that emotion, getting rid of that filter of that emotion and going, oh, wow, like dad, it's not that dad doesn't love me and I'm not worthy of love. I'm completely worthy of love. He was just having a bad day and it's not about me. So we literally get to reparent our inner children and the client gets this amazing awareness of like, instead of just assuming you're like this because this happened to you, they actually get to like completely um, get gain the wisdom of not only like understanding that other people are at play and it's not always about us, but also learning how to process their emotions, which they can take into the now and moving forwards in their lives. And so, yeah, in in the therapy, um, we definitely uh, we're looking at the past, but sometimes we look at the future. Like I had a client that was a heroin addict and she didn't get that bonding with her mum okay and this can happen and that's why we go for oxytocin right go for things that um, make us feel loved and and I've had heroin and it felt like a lot of love I have to say um and so when I took the client to the future and they experienced that to, for the first time, they experienced their feeling, they no longer needed to use it because they realized the chemicals are already in our body. We just haven't had access to them. Um, so releasing anxieties and problems in the future as well is really important as well. Ooh, there's so much I want to follow up on from what you just said. But let's go with this timeline idea for a moment because I think yeah. that that's I think that that's really important um, because the, the, and I'm always trying to debunk myths, you know, on this podcast. And I think one of the big myths about trauma is, you know, it's in the past, get over it, move on. Right. That's sort of the conventional paradigm that a lot of people in our society think of. Um, but when we talk about the physiology of trauma and, and to me, you know, I often explain it to clients. It's like, that experience, whatever that was, that original experience that you had was so overwhelming to your system. It's like the pause button got hit and it keeps playing. And then the scene keeps playing over and over again. You know, people get stuck on the loops, like with flashbacks, right? Or nightmares or intrusive memories. And it is, like you said, locked in the body. It doesn't just go away. And I have yet to find a way around 
around healing the trauma, except to, in some way, and we can do this in, in the somatic based, gentler kinds of ways, but I don't really know another way around it, but to go through it. Yeah. And what I like to say is that we're actually going through it all the time anyway. So why not go and resolve? resolve it because yeah our bodies are literally time machines our, our unconscious mind our, and our body doesn't know the difference in time so basically like for an example if I say to you oh you're going to go see one of your best friends tomorrow your body is going to get all excited right now and 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 it'd be like oh and so your body thinks oh it's it's happening now like it's having the emotional feedback like it's happening now and that's what happens with past things where we literally will regress and react like a three-year-old sometimes and you've probably seen this you know in your relationships like how old is this person acting right now literally that their five-year-old or their three-year-old is probably getting triggered in that moment and the body is regressing in that moment and so it is so important that that part of us and that inner child is finally parented and and loved and nurtured and able to be in a safe space to heal that because relational trauma trauma usually happens in relations like other than traumas of like your house burning down and things like that and so having a safe practitioner to hold space to be a guide for you to um, be there for that for that to be completed all of a sudden then the past really is in the past and it isn't reliving in the now anymore and that's what I say to people I'm like healing healing isn't about going back but we do have to go there healing is about how do I feel in the now in the present moment you know and how do I feel this is what matters because some people get obsessed with past life regression and things like that out of curiosity I'm like oh we can go there but I'm not going to take you there out of curiosity only if it's something that's going to help you in the now and going forward well yeah and that was something I wanted to ask you about because I know that you do this kind of therapy and actually I have done an, uh, it quite often myself particularly in cases where when we're looking for the original event we're not really finding a trauma uh, in somebody's childhood like I can remember working with a uh, client at one of the rehabs I was at and uh this person was having night terrors like really violent night terrors and um we couldn't find the root cause in his childhood he really had had a very one of those people who really did have a peaceful childhood and didn't really didn't have trauma and when I worked with him with um a more somatic based modality called NET which you know we talked about on the podcast before neuroemotional technique when we were following, we were using muscle testing and following his body to get clarity around the original event. My intuition said, you know, on the timeline, you know, we start conception of birth, right? Because it could be a in utero, you know, prenatal yeah. kind of trauma uh, or birth trauma, whatever. But I had the intuition to go this lifetime or another lifetime. And another lifetime popped up. And sure enough, as we start like tapping into the energy of it, I'm continuing to muscle test him. Um, we're both getting the, the, the download that um, in the middle of the night, uh, on more than one occasion in two different lifetimes, he saw his whole family, marauders or who robbers, whoever came in, killed his whole family and him, you know, but like killed the family first in front of him. And that was the trauma. 
And mm-hmm. when we clear it, and then of course he was using, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, present time to try to, you know, cause he was afraid to go to sleep at night. Who wouldn't be with some kind of story like that. My take on this kind of thing when it happens is regardless of whether it's factually true or not, like, I don't want to debate, like, do past lives really exist? But the energy of that story and him feeling the emotion that was in his body, releasing that, that guy never had night terrors. And he didn't have to keep self-medicating with drugs and alcohol because of his fear about going to sleep and, and bad things happening. Yeah, and we say the same thing because obviously we want to be, um, you know, considerate of religions and things like that. And, you know, I've had people that were religious and they came in, they went straight to a past life. But at the end of the day, it is really about as long as you feel better now, it's fine. Whatever your unconscious mind or your soul wants to show you to resolve what we need to resolve, we just go with that. Because one of the things with hypnotherapy that they say is that well, you know, the memories are kind of, they're not always correct. Like if you were to do like criminal, like looking at those kind of things for court, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was true. It doesn't matter whether they saw it on TV. It doesn't matter if they, you know, didn't see the whole picture of what happened. What matters is, okay, it's affecting you today in some way. Let's just go and resolve it. That's the main thing that matters, yes. definitely. And and then the other piece I want to highlight too is the memory reconsolidation piece. I I mean, I'm loving that science is finally catching up to (laughs) the the work we've been doing clinically for for so long. Um, Now what they are finding with the trauma processing is that when you um, go back to whatever that experience was and you're tapping into, like you said, the emotions that were trapped and you're giving the body a chance to release them, well, the interesting piece to that is then the memory of that experience re-encodes into your long-term memory without all of that emotion, without the fear, mm. the, the horror, the whatever, the anger, the powerlessness, all of that, because you've released it, it the memory won't, won't have it. So you'll remember that, okay, yes, I, it was horrible and I felt you know horrified and this, that, and the other, but... I don't still feel it now. I don't keep re-experiencing it because then now your your mind and your subconscious mind know that is complete. It's not happening now. And now we're safe. And I think that's just amazing. That Yeah, yeah I, we need the link to that study because, yeah, like you said, they're catching up slowly. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think um, in, in regards to like root cause therapy, so, yeah, when we heal that original event, whatever it happens to be of that, the trauma or the limiting belief or the symptoms um, that they're causing, then what happens is on the way back, yeah, they will get flashbacks of every similar event. So it's not like we have to go and heal every bad event or people have CPTSD. They don't have to revisit every time something happened. They can just heal the first one. The other ones will resolve on the way back with the practitioner. Because I know some methods, they kind of here's the trauma and then they send you away with like a hypnotherapy meditation. But I think that's a little bit unsafe where you want to be with the client, make sure they're fully processed, everything in the safe space with you and everything's consolidated while they're with you. And that's kind of like a part of a huge part of root cause therapy is that I found when I was first studying and getting into this work, I was like, I've got all these great tools, but how do I structure that in a really effective session? Um, and so, and I see that I'm in mainstream, um, groups, therapist groups, so they finish, you know, a psychology degree and things they are like, 
I have no idea how to run a session. Like, and I'm like, what? You just studied for six years, you don't. And so I created what we call a testing sheet. So it's a structured way of running a session where it's very client-centered, but we're looking at their feedback. So we're like, you know, if I say anger, who or what comes up for you from birth to now, we're looking at everything that they're holding on to. We're looking at how they feel in the areas of their life. We're looking at all the symptoms that they're having. We're monitoring their usage, like if it's for addiction or if they're doing other behaviors that they don't want to do. We're muscle testing their limiting beliefs so we can prioritize what to work on based on their goal. And then instead of seeing a therapist and going around and around every session there's you know exactly what to work on you know what shifted it actually makes this work which is quite intangible it makes it tangible and you can actually give numbers and data to your clients or show them because like you said once those memories are consolidated they're neutral now like we don't even think about them anymore and so it's good to see how far you've come so from a practitioner perspective it's really helped our practitioners to feel very confident in conducting the sessions because they know how exactly how they're running a session and then they know like what to do in the next session and the next session and the next session um based on the client's goals they know exactly what to work on the subconscious will tell them exactly what needs to be done and everything like that so it sounds yeah very similar like we're on the same wavelength with the way that we're running them I love that yeah me too and I love that you're offering that to um practitioners who maybe haven't you know, maybe they're now developing a specialty in treating trauma or addiction or, um, you know, whatever it may be, or they're early in their career, they haven't yet, you know, really got that confidence to just, you know, probably where we're at, you know, I can just go in there totally unprepared and I'll be able to handle anything because I have so many tools in the toolbox and I can riff off this and bring in a little bit of that and, you know, all the things. But I love that having that structure and support for people who, you know, practitioners who are who are maybe not in that space of having that kind of confidence. That's really wonderful that you provide that for folks. You do some kind of certification program yourself, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the certification, we really made it um, from our own experience as well, Um, but it's really for, it's either for practitioners, coaches and therapists, but it's also for people that are actually like they're going through their own healing process and they're like, I actually want to become a practitioner. Like that's what happened to me. I love what I'm doing. How do I do this as work? Because I have so much experience. Um, and so we've really made it so you can do it either way. But the practitioner training, we have several certification trainings that are internationally accredited with IICT. So in most countries, you can get your indemnity insurance and everything like that. We've got a community. Um, it's just a small fee. And then you get lifetime access, lifetime supervision. We've got an amazing community. Like when I, I it actually blows my mind because when I started the Center for Healing in Melbourne, where we had people coming in for help you know we blew up straight away and we got to the point where we couldn't grow anymore I had a baby and I'm like we need to move online luckily just a few months before COVID so that was super lucky that I followed my intuition and um yeah I record yeah so I (laughs) so with my experience and everything um I created like a very easy step-by-step procedures on how to do things for people that like that now my partner he, because he studied in the mainstream and he did an addiction and other drugs course, like mainstream, like um, in, in a uh, university over here. And he kept putting his hands up and he's like, when are we talking about trauma? When are we talking about trauma? And they're like, 
not like they just they haven't caught up yet right and so he's like I'm gonna study off you like so I had created already created a training I had already created all the procedures if you want to run your own center so that's like all in the course as well but through his experience and his friend Matt and so Matt Nettleton who's one of our trainers he went to rehab 17 times and it 17 times and it wasn't till he did this work that actually he was able to overcome his um, addiction so it was like heroin meth all the things and so he had his own journey with that and we're so lucky to have him on board and Ryan and Matt, because my partner Ryan, he's very he's this very sensitive guy, and sometimes people aren't ready to jump in and do this trauma healing right away. Sometimes people's nervous systems aren't ready; they shut down, they just can't do it. They created a course where it's really about creating window of tolerance, creating a nervous system that can safety in the nervous system before doing this trauma healing. It's a much more gentle way of slowly getting someone's body ready to start to do this very intensive work. And so their course is in body processing, which is also a practitioner training. But for those of you that are interested, you can, we've got, uh, I'm sure you'll put the link, we've got the free courses, but we've also got practitioners all over the world now as well. So some people like to just try it out. Yeah. So I, I it blows my mind from, I didn't even want to share our method when we had the center. I'm like, no, this is amazing. It's mine. And my partner's like, you're going to have to teach people one day. And then here we are. And it's just incredible, like the, the, at how many people are doing it all around the world. I feel so blessed. And the people that come in to do the trainings are the most incredible people from so many different backgrounds. Um, it's actually so wonderful. And my goal is to make, you know, get this to be mainstream because mainstream, you know, it's it's outdated. It's not working, as you know, um, and we, we need a change. We need a shift. We do. And I think these somatic and energy-based therapies are really like the next wave. Um, you know, we had our, our Freud and we had behaviorism and then we had the, the era of CBT and CBT is wonderful. But you know what? To a traumatized brain, a brain who's hijacked by the fight flight freeze response cbt goes out the window because that part of your brain isn't even online so um so i do think it's time for us to evolve the field into these other modalities um some of which have been around for thousands of years based in very traditional healing methods science is finally catching up and saying oh yeah we think this is something like acupuncture and eh? there's actually something to this um you know we can yeah. measure these these electrical signals and you know points on the body and they just seem to do something to the brain um so i'm i'm really excited for what the future of mental health you know has in store for us and i love that we're part of that movement uh going forward so and melissa if people want to find out more about your work uh where do they go yeah sure so if you go to the centerforhealing.com um, you'll see all our courses, but also for your listeners, we have some free courses to offer. So they go to the centerforhealing.com forward slash free dash courses, which I'm sure you'll have the link in the show notes to make it easier. Uh, we've got 
some little short educational courses, some free ones on understanding trauma, understanding addiction. But one of the main ones I wanted to share is um, it's a free certification to become trauma-informed. So it's called Trauma-Informed Certificate for Coaches, but we have teachers taking it, parents, practitioners, like all different people taking it. And um, it was funny because Ryan and Matt created it. They put a lot of work into it and we were selling it for a price and I um, – I just thought, you know what, like we're not making a big enough impact and we should give back. Like, you know, we're doing quite well and we are here. Our purpose is to help the world to become more aware of trauma. And I said, I know you guys put a lot of work into it, but do you mind if we make this for free? And they're like, what? I'm like, I know it sounds crazy. You've got to trust my crazy downloads sometimes, okay? (laughs) And um, we did it. I think about 40,000 people have taken it now and the reviews that we get are amazing. So it's it's not a very long course. There's no extra fees at all. Like it's totally um, free, but it, it can help you on your own journey to start to understand your own nervous system, your fight, fright, flight, freeze, fawn. Um, it'll help you to understand why other people or your children or your students or your staff are having certain reactions that they're having and being able to hold a really safe space for them. Um, which is uh, safety is key. And um, when it, for our society moving forward, um, you know, every behavior is protection or we're trying to feel safe. And so if we can bring more awareness around that and more understanding, and even for you to just feel like more peaceful in your body <laughs> is, a, is a great first step, then um, that's kind of why we, we put it out there. So definitely have a look at that if you're interested. Fabulous. And you have a book as well. Let's let's be sure to plug that also. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's The Natural High. And um, yeah, I'll give you the link to that as well. So this is basically the story of how we started the rehab center. And it's also the things that I taught that um, taught Ryan about how to overcome his own addiction. Because I kind of when we shut down the center, I had this guilt. I'm like, we're not helping all the people that need help. Like the people, you know, we've gone to practitioner trainings now. And so out of that, I'm like, I'm going to put this easy to read book um, out there for people, very affordable to start to understand um, from a lived experience perspective of why they have addictions and, and what, how their emotions work and things like that. Yeah. Thank, and thank you for your contribution to the field. And I, I've written a book that I think has some some similar um, concepts as what you, you the things you're working with. And um, I love that we're living in an, in a time where mental health, you know, has come somewhat out of that more stigmatized secret. Don't tell anyone you're seeing a therapist because it means you're crazy um, kind of thing. And we are more open now and we have people speaking out and public forums and we have social media and we have these virtual ways of connecting with people all around the world to let them know about these tools, these techniques, education about trauma, um, giving people hope that they can heal from, you know, these terrible things that have happened. Uh, It just warms my heart to know that we're all part of this movement. So I just want to thank you for your contribution to that. Thank you. And you too. And, um, you know, for you to be a doctor, but also open, you know, to all this alternative work, you're definitely making a huge positive ripple effect and change to the system. So thank you as well. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and and thank you to our audience. Um, if you've made it this far, we're so grateful that you tuned into this episode. And if you found something in here helpful, please do check out Melissa's websites, her book, 
Um, if you think you, if you know of somebody who might benefit from this information, please do pass this along, share, comment, like, subscribe, all the rate it, all the things for the podcast, because the more people we get engaging with it, the more people that our messages will reach. So thanks again, Melissa, for being with us today. Thank you audience. And we'll see you next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.